This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. It is a Thursday drive. Where last night's game at the Joel was such a fascinating spectacle. You had Wake Forest turning back the clock, specifically a dozen or so years ago, to a time where it was normal to wear tie-dye t-shirts in Winston-Salem, where Welcome to the Jungle blared from wall to wall, and Nas T even made a comeback during one of the timeouts dancing to House of Pain. They turned back the clock while the other side turned the clock ahead. Duke gave us a sneak preview of what the future of Blue Devil basketball was going to look like, not just in the long term, but also this season too. But speaking of the long term, let's focus in on the big picture here. Coach K was sidelined with a non-COVID illness. It looks like he might be back for Saturday's game against NC State, but that hasn't been made official yet. We got to see what it would look like to have John Shire lead Duke on the road as the head man. I'd say he did a pretty nice job. You don't have to be a hoops expert to come away from that game thinking, Shire's going to be okay. Duke's going to be okay when Kay is gone. It's not fair to say he'll win like Kay has. That's the crux of what Jay Billis said the day that Shire was announced to be the guy. It's the most difficult follow-up back we've seen in American sports. And I agree with that. But I feel comfortable saying he's not going to wreck the Porsche altogether. Coach K, over the last couple of decades, has been pouring millions into an endowment to make sure when he's done coaching that the program is supported. The program's his baby. Coach K's Duke basketball. Duke basketball is Coach K. That's not going to change. But John Shire is still going to have to steer the ship. And I don't think he's going to have any problem with that. I remember I was talking to an ACC coach this summer about it, and I asked what he thought about John Shire being the guy at Duke. And he said to me, he asked me a question, is when he goes into high school gyms to recruit, is he still going to have the block D on his shirt? Okay, yeah, then I think he's going to be all right. And we're seeing the recruiting bear that out. A bunch of recruits have signed on to play for John Shire, not Coach K in Durham. A number one recruiting class for next year. That's half the battle. Do you have the talent? And when you do have the talent, what's it going to look like on the court? Last night, he pressed all the right buttons. Take the swing that decided the game. If Jeff Bezdelic was still coaching at Wake, he would have said, if it wasn't for that 20-1 to run at the end of the first half and the start of the second, this would have been a real game. But it was close. End of the half, and John Shire was yelling out of play and yelling for Duke to get a two-for-one opportunity, and Trevor Keels gave him that. Other end of the floor... They're able to get a stop. He calls a use-it-or-lose-it timeout in the first half. Draws up a beautiful play for A.J. Griffin, who said thanks to how often he plays 2K and how much of a gamer he is, he knew he had a second remaining on the clock to pull up from three. He hits the shot. It's a beautifully drawn-up play, and suddenly Duke's feeling pretty good going into the locker room, and whatever adjustments they made out of the break, Killer Duke came out, or Death Star Duke came out, and they put the game away. That's coaching. So John Shire, he's going to be fine. Last night, it was a sneak preview of the future of Duke basketball, but it also was the near term of Duke basketball, too, because of that A.J. Griffin guy. Griffin, he got his first start last night as a Blue Devil. I'd imagine he's going to continue starting when he has games like that. 22 points on 8 of 11 from the field. He's Duke's most efficient three-point shooter. I'd say his their best shooter altogether. 
and he played a career-high 35 minutes. He and Paulo Banquero took over that basketball game. He and Paulo, they are the most talented guys on this team. Guys that I think are impossible to start, stop, I mean, when they're hitting shots from the perimeter. And if we're being honest, even though Jeremy Roach is in his second year in the program, he's probably better suited coming off the bench as an energy guy you can plug in for some shooting, for some driving, for some ball handling. Last night, it was what we expect to see right now moving forward for Duke, even when Coach K returns, but we got a sneak preview for what John Shire is going to look like as a head coach running the show on the bench. Not as forceful on the referees, not as much a showman when he's out there as well, just pressing all the right buttons running the show. Here's a stat I forgot to mention yesterday when we learned that Shire was going to be coaching. Shire, one and two as a player at the Joel Coliseum during the tie-dye nation era. Wake turned back the clock. As Duke was sneak previewing the future, Wake turned things back, and it was the best Wake crowd I've seen. I've been here. This is my fourth basketball season covering the ACC around here, and that's the best Wake crowd I've seen. They should keep Tie-Dye Nation. I know they're going to have a whiteout against North Carolina in a week or so. Red Panda's going to be performing at halftime. That's enough reason to go to the Joel Coliseum, not this Saturday, but next Saturday. But uh, it made Wake unique. It gave them an identity. It was really cool to see that. It almost seemed like we were back in 2007 for a little bit. The only thing that was missing was my orange iPad Nano. On Twitter, at WSJS Sports, if you want in on that game, 336-777-1600, or if you want in on what's happened in the NFL. Because shifting things to the National Football League, the Texans fired David Culley a couple hours ago. Very strange circumstances there from a dysfunctional organization. Meanwhile, in Charlotte, Matt Rule is still the coach, and he's trying to do some damage control. He went on not once, but twice today on WFNZ, trying to clean up some messes. And he stumbled into an area that I think is just indefensible. They're pretty much everything. You can explain away if you're Matt Rule, if you're being honest about it. You're not being emotional. You're not being a fan of the team when you're talking about things. You might not agree with the reasoning, but you could explain it away. Matt Rule discovered this morning drafting J.C. Horn is the only indefensible decision for him. It's not a winning topic. When you're a politician, you talk about winning topics. And if you're a head coach of a sports team... There has to be some politician in you with messaging and how you talk about things. Matt Rule discovered, talking about last year's draft, that's not a winning subject. Other things you can explain away. Quarterback, well, we wanted Matthew Stafford. We gave a better offer than the Rams did, but they wanted to do right by Stafford and impairing him with Sean McVay. They wanted Deshaun Watson until it became pretty clear that's not a guy you should be wanting right now. Sam Darnold, he was the third option. I understood at the time, I still understand today, why they wanted him over Teddy Bridgewater. He was cheaper. There was still some untapped potential, it felt like. He was 24 years old versus Teddy, who we already knew what he was going to be in this league, I think, at this point. So you could explain that away. Offensive line, you traded away Trey Turner to bring in Russell Okun. Okun couldn't stay healthy, but you thought he'd be a Pro Bowl left tackle. Matt Paradis got injured this year. Panay Sewell was at the top of your big board. He wasn't available to you at number eight. So you could explain that stuff away. Coaching, when I watch this team play, I've never once come away from a game thinking Carolina lost this game because of coaching the last couple of years. There are situations I watch a team and I feel that's the case. Not with Carolina. So the rest of that, it could be explained away just not drafting J.C. Horn. We talked about it the day after. We've talked about it a ton since then. That was a mistake. 
Here's Matt Rule on WFNZ in Charlotte, right up the road with our friends at the Mac Attack, not being asked specifically about J.C. Horn, just talking about some positives with the team, some of the position guys that he likes, and then he just stepped into a hole at the end of this comment. All that being said, last year in the draft, you know, you get to the draft, you're sitting there saying, hey, we're either going to take uh, a corner because of, of you know, our, our, our issues the year before or an offensive lineman. You know, you had Penny Sewell, you had J.C. Horn. Penny went before us. J.C. was there. Guys, I'll be honest with you, I think J.C. Horn's going to be a fundamental piece of Carolina's success for a long time. I would take J.C. Horn again, and I hate that he got hurt, but I'd take him 10 times out of 10. 10 times out of 10. Not only see, this is not a shot at J.C. Horn because again, if he's a great player, awesome. I'm not saying he might not. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying he's a bust. But in the best case circumstance, he's a corner, not as valuable as what you would have at quarterback or offensive line. So good on the folks on the radio show for asking the most obvious follow-up. Ten times out of ten, you'd do it again, knowing how good of a left tackle Rashawn Slater has been with the Chargers this year. That 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 was a that was a, a, a harder decision, you know. Uh, Rashawn hadn't played the year before, um, you know. He w- wasn't ideal tackle size, uh, you know. There was a lot of questions: as, Hey, is he a guard? Same thing with uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, and it was really, Hey, are you going to take a guy who's a guard uh, at this at this number? You know, I think uh, Rashawn. I've had a chance to go back and watch Rashawn. You know, he, he's he's playing out in the Chargers with a really mobile quarterback. He's a he's a he's a really good player. Yeah. It doesn't. You could have just played the first second of this clip, Robert, and that would have been enough. Like in response to why didn't you draft Rashawn Slater if you just played this? That 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 was a that was. When he talks fast, my friend Candace Cooper with Locked On ACC podcast, uh, she says, "You know he's lying when he's talking fast." How alarming is that comment for you? He can't. He you're, he backed himself into a corner because he can't come back and say, "Ah, uh, you know what? I think we wouldn't have took JC there." Because then, what does that do for JC? You know, like he's kind of backed into a corner with it, so he can't answer any other way. So I don't find it super problematic. But if you in the coming years, if we find like, "Hey, they took this guy, and this guy was available, and he was better." Hey, they took this guy, and this guy was available, and he's getting better. He was better. He then, backed himself into a corner. You're 100% right on that. You can't disparage your own player. At that point, you just need to say, catch yourself in a mistake. Don't dig more and say, I don't think it's a good idea to talk about other players. That's probably, if I was a PR person for the Panthers, that's probably what I'd be saying. And I certainly wouldn't be saying this. This is the last of the Matt Rule clips that we have. Him talking about, eh, you know, draft process. Marty ran the draft two years ago. Scott did a great job running the draft last year. I'm not sitting in my office, you know, up 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 in some tower, running the entire football operation, making the draft, doing the free agent stuff. I'm a piece of this. I try to be a good piece of it. But there's tough decisions that that are made that, that sometimes I have some influence in. Sometimes they're not what I want. Yeah, there's some things that happen that I don't want. As if we couldn't watch Draft Confidential and see. The conversation with Chuba Hubbard. Hey, my wife texted me, said that I should draft you, so I uh, I ended up drafting you. Not great damage control on Matt Rule's part. He's nuts. You sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amid the breaking NFL news that Mike, that uh, David Culley has been fired as the Texans coach, we push things along. Case Permar are going to be in studio with us in just a second. Last night, we were out at the Joel Coliseum watching on as Duke took it to Wake Forest. And I want to be fair about this, talking about the game obviously good for Duke coming off the loss they played really well probably their best game of the year they did so with John Shire on the bench instead of Coach K it did not go as planned as uh, for Wake Forest 
But I did feel it was a good measuring stick for where the Deeks are at right now. Steve Forbes, he's vastly improved this roster. His rebuild is well ahead of schedule. But this program isn't ready for the big stage yet. They're not ready to win big the type of way that you expect top teams of the ACC win big. That was evident last night. Because when Duke came to town, the Deeks weren't themselves. They played, you know, this is the best analogy I can make. They played like they were in high school and their crush walked in and talked to them. That's that's the way that they played. You know that feeling, Robert, when you're at the high school dance, you're at prom, you have a crush on somebody, and then you don't think they notice you, they come up and talk to you? That feeling. That's how Wake Forest played, because Duke was the team that everybody wants to be in the ACC, and Wake Forest just didn't seem ready for it. Pretty much the entire team except two guys. Alondis Williams, he played till the bitter end, leading scorer in the ACC still over 20 points in the game. And Cam Hildreth, who I think is fitting as the guy who played hard against Duke because he grew up in England. So maybe he didn't grow up with Duke constantly being on his television the entire deal. They got Dukes over there, don't they? And they're like Lord of the Land or something? They do have Dukes over there. Different kinds of Dukes. We've got Duke. They have Dukes over there. We've got Dukes mayonnaise. They have Dukes of... York. Somebody that I think knows quite a bit about Dukes of York, Duke Blue Devils, Dukes Mayonnaise. This Hayes Permar just walked in the studio. What's going on, fellas? Duke. Duke of Earl. Duke, 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 Duke. No. So I just wanted to give Wake Forest a little bit of optimism here. I felt it was a good learning opportunity for them. Nobody really likes to be told that, but... The guys, they out-rebounded Duke. They have quality talent. They're going to get an opportunity to play them again, and I'd be interested to see what that game looks like at Cameron Indoor Stadium. But speaking of Duke of Earl, we transition to the music game now, and we play Skips or Plays with Hayes. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things. But he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. Feels like 06, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and Lil Trick. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes. All right, this is the biggest game of Skips or Plays we have ever played. Wow. Wow, Hayes, a lot of pressure. And Sorry, it, I wasn't looking at you, Hayes. Did you have something to say there? I'm strolling and late. I was gonna just going to welcome you back. Glad to see you, buddy. We were all worried about you last week. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm glad you made it. Yeah. I made it off I-95 back roads from Richmond to, or D.C. to Richmond. You ready for uh, some more snow? Where are you driving this weekend? What major highway are you going to uh, get... <laughs> Abandoned on. You know, what if he's a jinx now? He's just like the snow jinx. I'm just going to Cameron and the Smith Center on Saturday. Oh, you're definitely getting caught in weather. Uh, The snow is supposed to happen on Sunday. It's not going to happen late Saturday night, is it? Uh, Chapel Hill, you're getting a little far. 501. When they say, you know, uh, east of 95, it's it's just going to be rain. Chapel Hill is pretty far west of 95. I don't know. Robert, why is this the biggest game of skips or plays? Yeah, what's up? I'm so glad you asked, Hayes. I did this with you in mind. I don't know if you've heard or not, but next week we are doing a Life is a Beach Boys giveaway where you can go see the Beach Boys into a tanger. You can go see them. They're going to be singing all their songs. And, Hayes, I know you love the Beach Boys so much, I threw the Beach Boys out the window. Okay, and, in- well- <laughs> and instead of that, next week, if you want to win Beach Boys tickets, we have taken some of the fa- your favorite Beach Boys songs, reversed them, and if you can tell us what that song is, you're going to go see the Beach Boys. That's an excellent game. I did that today with it's five hard. different artists, Hayes. So I, I still need to know whether a song is a skip or a play, but I also want to know if you can identify the song that I'm playing. I will give you the artist. Are you up for the challenge? 
You're, so you're going to play it backwards? It is It is in reverse, and these wow. are incredibly hard. Do Wait, any of these have, like, satanic messages attached I, to it? Look, I, I listen to it with a Bible and a, and a, 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 a cross ready in case anybody tries to, uh, to, to damage my heart. I don't know what happens out there, but guys, let's hope we don't open up a portal to the underworld. And we'll start with the Black Eyed Peas. That can't open up a portal to the underworld, right? All right. Hayes, we got five songs today. Let's see what you can do. We're going to start it off with the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> that's not the Black Eyed Peas. That's not <laughs> one of our songs. Tequila, tequila. Tequila. One for one. No, that's that's not even one of our songs. Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, that's not reverse either. I know that one. It's Pump It. There you pump go. Dang for Josh. What? Wait, wait, what? This is going terrible. You going to play any of these in reverse, buddy? I, I hope so. It took me an hour and a half to pull. Oh, no. All right. We got another one here. We I got, guess we're right. down to four. We got four here. We're Did you pull them reversed and now you're playing them I in pulled reverse? Them, I pulled them reverse and regular and I got 17 P. It looks like I went out my back door right now and there are raccoons just staring at me from the trash. <laughs> it's just you guys and the interns. Anyway, we're going to jump to the next one. <laughs> this is like me trying to drive a car. This, it's like I get it. You're a bad watching driver. my fiance this is trying Toby to Keith. be in reverse. This is Toby Keith. What's the song? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I got it. Oh, I got it, too. I got it's how do you like me now? Absolutely. Hey, it's how do you like me now? Yeah. How do you like me now? I, and I can't tell like what. Me now? It's a great song, by the way. <laughs> how do you, how do you like me now? now? Yes, excellent. And that's a play backwards. I'm trying to figure out how <laughs> my bra- how my brain is getting these. Is it like the the chord the the key that the song is in? Is that the best hint? I think I'm, the bass it was definitely words. I'm, I, so you, you're picking up lyrics. I have picked up some lyrics. I All can't right. tell what it was. Let's All see right. if you can pick up lyrics from this, this Kanye song. What's this one backwards? Oh. The re- I know that, that one. None of these are gold, labeled correctly, kids. Gold digger. None of these are labeled correctly. Well, it's good. Now we have an odd number, so Hayes can actually win Jesus. or lose the game. I want y'all to know how long it took me to do this, and then just to label them incorrectly. <laughs> Hayes is a producer, and he's enjoying I've, this I've way there, too dude. much I'm right now. I'm glad you're enjoying it. We no, got no, Queen dude. right here. I just want to walk over all my mistakes <laughs> and leave them behind me like my past lovers. Please much play like my forward. past lovers, I like to reminisce. Forward. So let's play some Queen. Please play forward. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. I heard it Is immediately. Is that right? Immediately. Whoa! Yes. How? I something about the instrumentation there. It was. It was just that. That one was. I heard, That's remarkable. I heard the boom, 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 and I, I was not uh, like I have a guess that when he says the artist, my brain naturally has a song ready, so and that if it matches the one I'm thinking, so I you're like a, you're like a batter at the plate. I'm I'm waiting for fastball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were sitting on fastball there. No, no, no. But I'm saying that wasn't the one I guessed. Oh wow! Like I had another one in my head, and that's the and and then I moved to that. Which one, one did you like, have in your head? I'll say it at the same time. The one I had in my head. We'll Bohemian Rhapsody. It, that's not what I had actually. Right. I, I had uh, we are the champions. Uh, okay. Go. All right. Here's What's, our last one. And guys, if this isn't in reverse, I quit. You're gonna have a different producer for the we, next segment. We tried to, to chat some so that you can. I appreciate it. This is just like we can chat some more if you want to. Robert, this will make you feel better though. Just like Duke yesterday. They had two head coaches on their team. We got two producers right now in the studio doing this right now. So if you have to step out after getting this one wrong, we got another producer oh, okay, that can cool. step yeah, right Hayes, in. You got it, man. I'm going to take an early show off. I'm just going to go home and Do take it. a nap real quick. Uh, Elvis right here. What do you think? This is the Suspicious lies. Suspicious lies. Suspicious lies. It's suspicious minds, but See, no, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. We what did you say? I said suspicious lies, but I meant. I love these. I had, I had the right song. We can do all together. With suspicious minds. Hey, girls, make it. Can we do this? Every, can we do backwards songs every week? I'll do we'll it, do it week. next week again. The giveaway is next game. week, so I will properly label these clips but, next time. 
but also, um, can we can we misplay some of them forwards by accident every week too? Like that, I think that's been part of the charm. I'm glad you enjoyed game. it. No, but it's, he was three for three. Backwards is, is a sensation. I, I'm loving this. Let's go all backwards Beach Boys songs next time. Well, that's what the entire week next week. See, that, that's the giveaway. That's why I couldn't give you the reverse gotcha. because all the people in the in their cars right now that are like fiending for those Beach Boy tickets are going to be writing all this. Who's stuff your down. favorite Beach Boy? There's only one. Oh, this I think I like Ryan. No, He's this, the cutest. This is the important question. Are the Beach Boys as they're performing? No, Brian Wilson passed away, didn't he? Oh, I no. just said Ryan. No, I have no, no, no clue no. who a Brian, Beach Boy is. To be completely Brian Wilson with didn't you. pass away. I'm just making sure. No, I think Brian Wilson is still with us. All right, let's make sure. Why'd you just kill Brian Wilson? You just never know. It's these these satanic backward songs. They've taken taken his soul. So the question is, is Brian Wilson performing with them? I don't know the answer to that. I'll get IT on that. But in the meantime, let's open up that portal one more time. If he's not. (laughs) Let it in, Hayes. Let it in. That's a, uh, that's a play backwards. That's a banger song. I was enjoying that thoroughly. Could one hundred? I don't. Do that I don't think he is, but I don't know that for sure. Um, he's probably not. And here's he, there's only he if he was smart and had the foresight. I'm sure somebody else had the money. But it's basically Brian Wilson and a bunch of dudes that can sing well, right? If you ever go listen to Brian Wilson's Smile, which is kind of like the the final version of the album that was never completed, and it has a couple. Songs that made it on the Beach Boy records, but it sounds just like the Beach Boys. And Brian Wilson was like, you know, driving the shit. Love and Mercy. Strongly suggest watching that movie with yeah. John Cusack. A little update for you before we go to break. Uh, this will not feature Brian Wilson, Al Jardine, or David Marks. They will be yeah, led just, by Mike Love. It's, oh. I mean, Mike Love makes the money. <laughs> Brian Wilson makes the music. That's it's still going to be great music. I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure. One I'm thing sure. we can't deny: all the Beach Boys make love and 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 mercy. Thank goodness, Brian Wilson's still with us. Yes. I'm, I'm Thank sorry. goodness. I'm yeah, Hayes, do you want to apologize yeah, for killing yes, Brian Wilson yes. five minutes ago? Yes, I'm sorry, Brian Wilson, and I'm glad. I hope. I made up for it with Nick, my praise of your music. What, what's great is how confused Nick is right now because Nick's. I think Nick thinks we're talking about the giant San Francisco Giants closer with the beard. Nick is just sitting there hoping he's not the one that mislabeled those backwards. <laughs> Nick is like, oh man, I really do we have this right? Do we I have this right, Nick? Am I do I did I read your brain correctly? No, you actually did. I was thinking about Brian Wilson in twenty ten. That's pretty funny. You read <laughs> no, my mind. Great, this great is, beard. This is the one that the bare naked ladies were singing about. Hey now. They're, they're there gonna was... be reversed next week. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be the fully clothed Stop. ladies. Stop. <laughs> there was a bit of Panthers. Can we news. do more things in reverse? Can we do the top <laughs> can we do the top four at four now and count it up to four o'clock? I'm kind of digging the theme. I'm going to pull in. I guess he knows what he's doing. He can't argue with success, right? Right. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. When it's not a party, we will party hard. Not going to lie. When I first started hearing the beginning of that song, I thought that was in reverse. I wouldn't do that to you. Oh, you want it? I'm glad to know you wouldn't do that to me. Hall of Fame sports writer Mike DeCourcy going to join us later on in the show. We'll get back to college basketball in 15 minutes. How about we get into NFL wildcard weekend, why don't we? Actually, let's broaden it out. Let's get into the, the entire NFL playoff picture because I've got my playoff picks that you can hold me accountable for when things inevitably go wrong as soon as this weekend. This is what I have. On the path to the Super Bowl in Los Angeles next month. Starting with the wild card round. In the NFC, you've got number two seed Tampa Bay facing seventh seeded Philadelphia. I think this is going to be a blowout. The defending champs are going to take care of business. Dallas, San Francisco. This is probably getting the most attention out of the first round matchups. Sunday afternoon at 430 Too many people are on the upset with San Francisco. I'm going to take Dallas because while all the attention is being spent on the quarterback, the skill possession players, that defense really forces a lot of turnovers. And I think that's going to be the key 
for the Cowboys, getting pressure and that defense being able to turn over the 49ers could be Dallas to win at home. Then you got the Rams on Monday night facing Arizona. Division matchup. They split the regular season. Since it's in L.A., and I got Matthew Stafford over Kyler Murray, Sean McVay over Cliff Kingsbury, Aaron Donald over a much younger Arizona Cardinal defense, I'm going to take L.A. to win in round one and advance to the divisional round. In the AFC wild card, Kansas City is like a 12.5-point favorite against Pittsburgh on Sunday night. Everybody thinks this is going to be a route. I say pump the brakes on that. Kansas City still wins the game, but have you watched the way that T.J. Watt's been playing the last few weeks? T.J. Watt versus that Kansas City O-line, I think it's going to create some problems. Mike Tomlin's going to find a way to make this game an ugly fist fight. I think Kansas City holds on at home, but I do think it's a lot closer than you might think. The Bills facing the Patriots. A lot of people are on the Pats. I'm going to fade the public again here. I'm going to go with the home team. I think the Bills learned their lesson in the first weather game they played in Buffalo, that Monday night game. The next meeting, we saw Buffalo was clearly the better team. Buffalo has good coaching. It's not Bill Belichick, but they have better talent. I think the home team with better talent going to end up winning the game. Give me Buffalo to move on. And if you're following what I've been saying in the first round thus far, you might be thinking, Josh, there's always an upset every single playoffs. Like in the wild card round, you can't just pick all the home teams. You can't just go all chalk. I don't plan to. The first game we have Saturday is fifth-seeded Vegas at fourth-seeded Cincinnati. I think Vegas wins this game on the road. Not going all chalk. I think Derek Carr is the most underrated quarterback in the league. A guy I really trust in late-game situations and pressure-packed situations. I don't think Cincinnati that easily is going to end this playoff drought that dates all the way back to Boomer Esiason in the late 1980s. Give me Vegas to continue that drought another year, winning at Cincinnati. That gives us these matchups in the divisional round. In the NFC, it is Dallas heading to Tampa Bay. Think about how much this is going to be talked about. It's going to break ratings records. Tom Brady in the playoffs going up against Dallas? Skip Bayless's head might explode. I'm going to take the road team. Give me Dallas to outscore Tampa. I think in a game like this, especially given how good those corners are in Dallas, no AB, no Godwin, that's really going to hurt. I think Dallas outscores Tampa. That's the name of the game. They advance to their first NFC championship game, I think since the mid-1990s. Green Bay, LA Chargers, or LA Rams, excuse me. This is a rematch of a game we saw last year. I think Green Bay wins it again. Green Bay coming off the bye. I'm not picking against Aaron Rodgers in this spot in Lambeau. So that sets up a Cowboys-Packers NFC Championship before we get to that game in the AFC Divisional Playoffs. Vegas is at Tennessee in this hypothetical. Much like the Packers, it's such a great advantage to have that bye week. I think Tennessee... Getting Derrick Henry back, having some rest. They're going to take care of Vegas that got the nice wild card win with their interim head coach. I hope that's enough to keep Rich Passaccia in place and have that interim tag removed off of him. Buffalo at Kansas City. Another rematch of a game we got last year, but that was in the AFC Championship game. I think it's still the same winner. Kansas City holds on. I think they're going to labor through the Pittsburgh game Sunday. There's going to be a lot of talk around that, that Kansas City might not be as good as you think. Kansas City's going to hear all that, bounce back, win the game at home, and maybe cover a number, whatever that number is. So that gives us these championship matchups. In the NFC, it's Dallas at Green Bay. In the AFC, it's the Chiefs at the Titans. I'm going to go with the home team in the NFC, Green Bay to win. I just can't imagine Dallas getting to the Super Bowl when they haven't been to the championship game in such a long time. And I can't imagine Dak outdueling Aaron Rodgers in order for that to happen and for that game being in Lambeau when it happens. Green Bay's been so close. The last few years, they've made it to the conference championship game. They've fallen short. I don't think they fall short this time. They advance to the Super Bowl in L.A. 
Who will they play, play though? Titans or the Chiefs? This is a rematch of a championship game a few years ago, but that game was an arrowhead. I'm going with the Titans to go to the Super Bowl behind Derrick Henry in this run game. Kansas City's run defense, not very good. It hasn't been for a while. I think the sheer physicality of what the Titans can do going to overwhelm Kansas City in this spot. The Titans advanced to their first Super Bowl since they were stopped a yard short in Atlanta against the Rams. That was the 99 season with Steve McNair and company. Super Bowl in L.A. It is Green Bay versus Tennessee. And as great as a story Tennessee is to get to this spot, even though it is a couple of one seeds getting there, I'm going to go with Green Bay. It's the year of Rodgers. It's the year of the Packers. If you're going to leave Green Bay, leave Packer fans happy. And what better way to do that than to win the Super Bowl, which would be Green Bay's first since Rodgers won it back in 2010. So that's my pick. Green Bay over Tennessee in the Super Bowl. Robert, any objections you have to that? Uh, I could probably object in like how the sausage was made, but I mean, you got to the right winner. I think the Packers are the easy favorite here. They're probably the healthiest championship game. It was announced today they're getting Whitney Merciless back, who was a trade from the Texans, a really quality defender, uh, and they've already got a good defense. And I, I think they're just going to keep ramping up. But they've got a hard challenge in the first round with the Rams. Uh, if they get past that. I think it's a, a sure thing. I think that would be a great Super Bowl, too, because Tennessee, the one area I'm really concerned about with Green Bay, teams can run the ball on them. So matchup is going to be really important. If it's Derrick Henry in the Super Bowl going up against Green Bay, maybe I could talk myself into that. I could talk myself into the Titans. Perhaps I will in that two-game stretch. If it is Green Bay and Tennessee that gets to the finish line, but matchup is so important. Like, if Green Bay plays in round one or their round one, the divisional round, the Rams, I think that's a good matchup for them. But if San Francisco pulls off the upset against Dallas and they're going to Green Bay the next week, the way that they run the football, Robert, that's a team that I think could give Green Bay some problems. We know what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, what they like to do, I think that could be a problem. So matchups are important, but if it shakes out this way, uh, well, that's how I think it's going to shake out. If Green Bay gets the Rams, they advance through. If they get the the, the Cowboys in the championship game, then they're going to get the Super Bowl. Another hypothetical question. If Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, does he leave Green Bay still? Do you think the results of this season – are going to influence what he ultimately does in the offseason? Potentially. I mean, anything can happen, but I would still lean on the fact that he's probably going to leave uh, via trade. Because they came to an agreement that it would be his decision after the season ends that they have to try and get something done, and the Packers agreed to that so that they get something in return. It's kind of like a gentleman's agreement was how it was reported. And maybe this is me reading too much in it, but like the last month or month and a half, I feel like Rodgers has really developed a nice bond with like his backup quarterbacks, like Jordan Love, Kurt Benkert. And it's not just like a, a, a friendship that's like on the field. Like he's been talking about it on the Pat McAfee show. And I wonder if, if he would feel kind of uh, like he's betraying Jordan Love if he stayed because like his whole opportunity is contingent on Aaron leaving. So I wonder if he's like, you know what, I'm going to leave. I'm going to give you the opportunity to shine. And if he somehow changed his mind and going to stay, maybe felt like he would be stepping on Jordan's feet in some way. This, I don't know. That's just a, a thought I had. If it wasn't crazy enough that a former team chaplain was perhaps the most important football decision maker in the Texans organization, get this that Aaron Reese just reported who covers the Texans for the Athletic. General Manager Nick Casario was part of David Culley's practices, and he was on the headset advising Culley on game management. It'll be interesting to see if any of that changes with the new Texans coach. Can you imagine if Scott Fitterer was on the headset with Matt Rule during games, telling him how to manage the situation? 
that would be rough, but Cully also didn't have like a ton of head coaching experience, right? Like he was always like an assistant coach or assistant head coach. He was never the guy actually calling the plays. I'm looking through his stuff now. That was his first head coaching gig ever through college and NFL. So maybe Still, that was part of it. Maybe. But if you think the Carolina Panthers are bad, just another reminder, it can always be worse. I need the advice of a professional. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. To talk about nationally, the Coach K farewell storyline. Hall of Fame sports writer Mike DeCourcy is going to join us in a little over 10 minutes. But we've covered the Duke side of this enough. Let's get to the Wake Forest end of it. It didn't go as planned for the Deeks. But I did. I, I felt it was a pretty good measuring stick for them, though. A measuring stick for where they're at. Steve Forbes, let's be honest about it. He's vastly improved this roster. The rebuild, it's way ahead of schedule. But this program isn't ready for the big stage yet. Last night was a big stage. It was evident they're not ready for that because when Duke came to town, they weren't themselves. They played differently. They played the way I am. They played like they were a high schooler, like Josh Graham in high school at prom when his crush walked over to him thinking that she didn't know who he was and started talking to him. That's that's how Wake Forest played. They're like, oh, we're playing Duke, and these guys are always on TV, and this is a big game, and there are a lot of people here. And there were two guys, it seemed like, that were ready to play from the jump. Alondis Williams, who scored in the 20s again last night. He's the ACC's leading scorer and ACC Player of the Year contender. And an unlikely source, Cam Hildreth. Well, Cam Hildreth had a nice game. Defensively, he played hard. He was willing to dive on the floor for loose balls. And it seems fitting he was the guy that was not intimidated by Duke because the guy is from England. <laughs> he, he didn't grow up, I'd imagine, watching Duke basketball. The Duke that he knows is probably the Duke of, of Canterbury or whatever we're looking at in England. I'm not good at recognizing Dukes, Robert. What's a famous Duke? Uh, Duke, uh, I guess Duke Earl is really the only one that yep, comes to that's, my mind. That's, that is one. So I, I think it makes sense that those are the two guys who were ready to play last night. And Duke took advantage of the lack of preparedness. Wake Forest, they had this big home crowd, but that was probably the most fans these Wake players have ever experienced in that building. I could say that because this is my fourth year covering the team. And that's the most fans I remember seeing in that building. So they're not used to the type of energy that was in the Joel that night. So it was a really smart strategy by John Shire to speed up the Demon Deacons. And what happened when he sped them up? Turnovers. A lot of turnovers. 16 on the game specifically. Duke took advantage. Listen to Steve Forbes describing... What disappointed him and what he felt was the difference. A lot of it just being lack of preparedness for the moment. You got you to play. still got to play the way you're taught, you know, and the way we've been playing all year long. And I thought Duke had a lot to do with speeding us up and maybe, cause, maybe letting the physicality of the game bother us a little bit with our ball handling. Now, it didn't affect us in rebounding. You know, we out-rebounded them, you know, and um, I thought that might be a problem. But I thought that, you know, when it, when it's a – I told him before the game, you don't got to play perfect. You know, you just got to play the way we play. And uh, the crowd will be into it. And, and I told him, don't hit home runs, hit singles, right? Just make the easy plays. And so the more we're in this environment, the better we'll play. Yeah. So there are positives. This is a good learning opportunity. As Forbes mentioned there, they out-rebounded Duke. Out-rebounded them by seven. The mistakes that were made, they were self-inflicted mistakes. And you're going to get another shot at this team. Yeah, it's going to be at Cameron, so it'll be more difficult to win. But I've now become more interested in that next matchup based on what Wake did on the boards 
the fact that they just weren't themselves in this game, and a lot of it had to do with playing that team and having that many fans in the stands. And we'll see if they're ready for the moment in Cameron. On Twitter, at WSJS Sports, Mike DeCourcy in just a bit, 336-777-1600, the number. Let's go to Mark in Greensboro, who wants in on the game. He was there last night. Mark, that's that's my read on it. Wake was turning back the clock with the uh, tie-dye nation. Duke was giving us a preview of what the future is going to look like, and Wake just didn't seem ready for the big stage. How'd you read it? Yeah, I, I, I agree. You did a really good assessment. I wanted to. I'll, I would talk about that real quick. Oh, by the way, I did. I did stop by. You weren't there. I, I said hi to my buddy Jeff Mills, who was sitting next to you. Oh, Hefe. Yeah, I missed LFA out. He was there, so I had to say what's up to him. So shout out to Jeff. I'm sure he wrote a good article about the game last night too. I was so, in uh, line trying to get a a hamburger for about 30 minutes. Being B dot. I, I don't think I, I don't think the Joel concession staff was ready for as many people that was no, there last it was a night. Good crowd. It was a good crowd. Um, yeah, it was cool. You know, I appreciate um, Coach Forbes. You know, setting me up with a couple tickets. It was great. Had a good time. Um, so yeah, no, I I agree. I mean. Wake's talented. They've, I brought a buddy of mine who hadn't been to a game in a couple of years, and we went to the last Duke-Wake Forest game with Zion and, and R.J. Barrett. So to see the contrast of that, the same friend, and like his knowledge of basketball is pretty similar. So it, it was definitely that. Um, it was interesting to see. I thought, I thought they took a, a lot of bad shots at the beginning. Even though they played hard and they out-rebounded them and they made turnovers, I felt like if the offense was ran a little bit smoother at the beginning and they made a couple of shots to settle themselves down outside of Alondis, then the game would have been a little different. You know, that run at the end of the half was big. And from Duke's perspective, A.J. Griffin is he is the key to them winning a national championship. Yeah. He is by far the, the biggest X factor because Paolo is just incredible. Uh, but, you know, and so is the rest of these guys. But A.J. is just I, 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 just watching him be more explosive is really fun to watch. Sorry I missed you last night, Mark. Appreciate you uh, no calling worries, in. Bro. Yeah, we'll see you at a game down the line, but you're right. AJ is the X factor. The long term takeaway for Duke is Shire's not the type that's going to crash the Porsche. But AJ, in the near term, that's a, he got his first start last night. And if Duke was wise, and I think they are, they would continue to start AJ moving forward. Before we get to Mike DeCourcy, it's easy to be pretty negative about Wake Forest right now. Should we do weekly positivity or should we save this for tomorrow, Robert? Does it feel right to do this on a Thursday? Oh, that's up to you. It don't matter to me. Nah. I, I think we should save this for Friday. This is a Friday thing. You know, I'm going to tease. That's what it's going to be. I'm teasing for tomorrow. That's what we call it in the biz. So tomorrow... Like, today's show has been great with Permar, and if you miss any of it, best of pod, and if you already listen that way, fantastic. Mike DeCourcy going to be here in a sec. Tomorrow, we've got Best Bets, Movie Game with Darren Vaught, Weekly Positivity, which I know he loves, and a Rhinestone Cowboy Friday. So, it's great. I'm excited. Headed to the Canes game later on tonight. Catching the Canes, facing the Columbus Blue Jackets. A reminder, if you're a Canes fan, that the game is streaming exclusively on ESPN Plus and Hulu. It's not going to be on Bally tonight. First time ESPN's producing a Canes broadcast since 2004. So it's it's been quite a while, but uh, that's the way you can watch the Canes tonight if you're interested in doing so. Hey, hey, what's all the commotion? You're on the drive with Josh Graham. If you can't be at least mildly interesting, then shut the hell up. On WSJS Sports. Given how big of a story Mike Krzyzewski's farewell tour has been, I wanted to get some national perspective on it, so we welcome in our good friend, Hall of Fame sports writer Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. Mike, I promise we'll get to the movies at the end of the conversation since Oscar <laughs> season is upon us as well. But let me just ask you this in a national sense. We follow this here in the state of North Carolina day to day. How big do you anticipate... As football season winds down, college season ending earlier this week, and the NFL playoffs starting in a couple of days, how big do you anticipate the Coach K farewell story 
getting over the next couple of months? I think it will get very big in March. Uh, we have done – I got a chance to sit down uh, with Mike uh, on the eve of the season. He was generous, very generous with his time. It was a real honor to get a chance to talk to him uh, as long as I did uh, on the uh, – about a week, 10 days before the season or so, two weeks maybe. Uh, he was he was tremendous. And so we did a big piece about that, and we've got some other things planned. Uh, but I know there is an effort not to, you know, not to overwhelm uh, non-Duke fans with Coach K content. Uh, but when you get to the end of what's been the greatest career in the history of college basketball coaching and maybe uh, college coaching period, uh, I think you have to give him his due. He, he's earned it. Uh, that he has a, a ton of fans, an army of fans, uh, whether they went to Duke, whether they support the Blue Devils or not. He's respected nationally for what he's done on the floor and off the floor. What impresses you the most about the team? Well, it, it, it begins with pure talent. Uh, they, you know, they put three freshmen on the floor who are elite talents. And obviously, Paulo Bancaro is more elite than others, but uh, uh, the other two, A.J. Griffin and Trevor Keels, are terrific. Uh, I love Wendell Moore's development, uh, struggled early in his career, stuck with it, and now is developed into a, a star-level player that the pros are starting to take seriously. Uh, they, they've, got, they've got probably more talent than any team in college basketball, and, and, that, and you, you couple that with uh, you know, one of the all-time, uh, as I mentioned before, the all-time great coaches. Uh, that's a pretty strong combination. What isn't strong is the point guard situation. It's not a great situation. Last, last night they started Trevor Keels there, and, and Trevor's a really fine player, and uh, anyone would want him on their team. Um, but do you win a national championship with someone who is uh, really not a true point guard? Well, you know who the last team that did that was? Yep, it was Duke. It was in 2010 when, when uh, John Shire moved from shooting guard and became an All-American, even though it wasn't his natural position, he still played at such a high level that he was an All-American. So if there's anybody that can do it, it's this team. Gosh, it's such an interesting thing you bring up, talking about the point guard position as a whole. How have you seen the way that that position is viewed change over the last decade when you consider 15 years ago we were trying to make a ton of Chris Pauls. That's kind of what you wanted. And then when you look at the NBA today – there aren't a lot of Chris Pauls except for him himself. Everybody's now trying to find the scoring point guard, trying to recreate Steph Curry or James Harden. Yeah, you know, I think that once in college basketball, I looked at this a while back. Um, if you look over the last 15 years, nearly every single championship point guard is either a future first round pick. Uh, or someone like Joel Berry, who was a five-star guy, just didn't quite have the gear to be an NBA player, but was an elite college player. And, and you go back over, uh, over that history, and that's what you find. First-round draft picks or McDonald's All-American five-star guys, there are very few exceptions to that. I think technically Ryan Archidiakono at Villanova was an exception to Key that. Clark. He played in the backcourt. Uh, I'm sorry. And Kihei Clark, that's another one that comes to mind too. But very few. Well, yeah, but they, you know, uh, but but he was not truly their point guard. He 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 didn't initiate everything. I mean, they had a first round point guard on their team, so yeah. I, I didn't really look at him as that player. Um, you know, I I I I think that it's it's very rare to have that uh, to have a non you know someone who doesn't fit one of those categories. Now, what what's interesting about this season? is that almost no one has that. I mean, it's very rare in this college basketball season to have one of those two elements and be an elite team. There are very few who fit that category. Uh, Gonzaga does not fit that category. Uh, Duke technically does if you tr consider Trevor their point guard. But, um, but again, I think that's, that's sort of uh, sliding the definition a little bit. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who emerges from all of this. Mike DeCourcy's with us here. He's on Twitter at TSN. Mike, you're listening to The Drive with Josh Graham. That's me. I'm interested. 
how that affects the calculus of how you view Duke as a contender in March. Obviously, matchups are such an important thing, but Duke, they're a lot better than everybody in the league right now. And I, I, I don't really think it's that close as somebody who watches it very closely. But the weight of the Coach K story when you get to a one-and-done setting, and that's the biggest story, not just in college basketball, but potentially in all of sports in the month of March. Does that affect the way you view Duke as a contender, carrying the weight of that story and the pressure that comes along with it for six consecutive games? You know, I don't think necessarily. I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in that if you're Apollo or you're Trevor or, or you're uh, A.J., uh, or even at this point, uh, Mark Williams or Wendell Moore, probably all five of those guys will be in next year's draft, and, and there's a very good chance all five of them will be first-round picks. And what they know about this is that this is their only chance. I mean, this is it. Uh, you know, for Paolo and, and, and Trevor and A.J., they weren't even collegians a year ago, and they all know that they're probably going in the draft. And for, uh, for Wendell uh, and Mark, uh, they, they were not on – you know, they were not able to play in the NCAA tournament last year. They were not on a successful team. So this is their one shot. And, and I think it's, you know, it's not, about, it's not necessarily being selfish, but the pressure is the same for them as for everybody else that's in a similar circumstance. This is the only chance you get. And if, you, and if you're down four and there's 35 seconds left, I mean, you see the end of the season. And you're not thinking, gee, this is Coach K's last game. You're thinking, this is my last game. So I, I think that uh, I, I don't think that'll be a huge burden, other than they will a- a- answer a lot of questions about that at the uh, at the uh, tournament press conferences. And frankly, you're going to answer a question about somebody, something, or somebody if you're at Duke. It's not like it's not like they, their, their press conferences don't get packed uh, with lots of questions. And in order to prepare for this conversation with Mike DeCourcy, who joins us here from the Sporting News, I've watched a ton of movies over the last month or so. I think I've been to the movie theater four times over the last couple of months with the go see Licorice Pizza, King Richard, and a few others that aren't coming to mind just right now. The new West Side Story. You're a big movie guy. You love the Oscars as well. It's right around the corner. What's the best movie you've seen to this point? I loved In the Heights. I thought it was terrific. Uh, and I, it, I, I thought it was just uh, an absolutely wonderful. And, and it happened to be the first movie that I saw in a theater in more than a year Me when, too. when I saw it back in June. And it was wonderful. Uh, it just, just everything about it worked for me. Um, I, there's some movies that I thought, you know, I. I I thought the, the, the adaptation, speaking of Lin-Manuel Miranda, I mean, he has fingerprints on a lot of good stuff this year. I thought the adaptation of Tick, Tick, Boom was wonderful. I had seen the stage show, uh, a touring company in Pittsburgh, uh, after Rent became a hit, they, they, revived, you know, they sort of revived that. And I liked it, but I didn't love it. Uh, but I love this movie. I thought that they really invigorated it with some very interesting material, and I thought it was great. And, and there's a movie that I don't know whether it's going to get any Oscar consideration, maybe Nicolas Cage for his performance. But I thought the movie, I hate the title, but the movie's wonderful. It's called Pig. I don't know if you've seen it or not, um, but it stars Nicolas Cage as this uh, sort of recluse who lives in the woods with a pig uh, that is trained <laughs> to hunt truffles. And and the, the pig gets kidnapped or pignapped. Uh <laughs> and it's about his his uh, quest to re- to retrieve you know his one companion, uh, and it's it's wonderful. He's great. It, 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 for those of us who remember you know some of his best performances uh, back in the '80s and '90s, it's not a surprise to see him deliver brilliant work. But it's been a while since he's had the opportunity to do that. He's been a lot of a lot of straight to video kind of stuff since then. Yeah, uh, I got a confession to make. I'm all in on Nick Cage. See, if anyone has issues with Nick Cage, I'll fight him in the street. I have no problem with that. Mike DeCourcy <laughs> with us here. So give me the one movie. I'm not going to let you list off a handful. Give me one that you haven't seen but you've heard buzz about and you're circling. 
Well, I, I, you know, as given, obviously my list, uh, obviously I want to see the new West Side Story, and I've heard great things. I just haven't had the opportunity yet. I, I, have you seen Power of the Dog? I haven't, but yes, that is definitely one I've heard a lot of buzz around. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, w- I really want to hear what you think about it, because I, I really had trouble with it. It wasn't, it, not, not to the point that it was bad, but just hard to grab onto. Uh, the, the character's... Uh, uh, behavior and, and motivations I struggled with and didn't really connect with. And so that's a movie that's probably going to get nominated for Best Picture and it's getting uh, universal acclaim. And it's it Benedict Cumberbatch, connect. right? Like, is it Netflix, Benedict yeah, Cumberbatch? Wonderful. Yes, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Jesse oh, wow. Clemens from, uh, from um, uh, the, the uh, what, what was it called? the uh, Manchester the, by the, the Sea. TV show. Yes, yes. Uh, and he was he was also in uh, and now I'm just totally blanking on Breaking Bad TV show. Yes, Breaking Bad. Yes, there it is. Um, and he, he's he's great. All the acting is great. And, and Cumberbatch is phenomenal. But I just had a hard time grasping on to uh, the, uh, the, the the motivations that every you know, everybody was up to. So. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to hear what you think about it. Okay, I got that written down. I'll watch Power of the Dog by the next time we chat. Have you seen King Richard though? I have not. No. By the I, next, I that's the one. That's the that. one out of all these other ones that I mentioned. I would love your thought on that by the next time we chat in a few weeks. It's the best movie I've seen over the last year. Wow. I think. Terrific. All right. I, I, I will definitely give it a look. All right. Mike DeCourcy, you're the best, man. Thanks so much for making the time, as always, for the triad. Follow him on Twitter, at TSN Mike. Read his stuff, sportingnews.com. Really do appreciate the time. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Josh.